Hello everyone and welcome back to the third episode of my podcast which is the second part of the second episode which we talk in which we talked about um a literary translation what is literary translation which is the reproduction uh, of a text from a, a language to another using equivalence uh what are the difficulties of translating a book or a literary text of any kind like for example novels and stuff like that we already um talked about Huckleberry Finn which is a very good example for this because it it has many many translations and many of them were not mm, good enough to transmit everything that the author wanted to transmit which is Mark Twain by the way and yes uh we also talked about the neutral language and uh what happens or what do you think about um doing a translation with a neutral language rather than your language with all the jargons with all the expressions that your um that you use as your dialect uh, what do you think about um leaving or setting that aside um and doing a more neutral translation well i think that sometimes we have to make this neutral translation and some others we don't it all it all depends on the public i think it all depends on the reader um because if i'm doing a translation for argentinian for for, for argentina i'm going to use my dialect because there's nothing wrong with it but if i'm doing a translation that is it's going to be sold in 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 all of the um, of the continent let's say in all america then i'm going to adopt a more neutral translation right so i think it all depends on the con- on the on the public on the readers and stuff um anyways what i think it's wrong and i'm sorry if, if you heard a noise um i just plugged the charger in <laughs> so i'm sorry about it um and there is something that i'm against um and it's the spain uh thing you know i already talked about spain too i said that in spain they have a a bias towards their own jargon and their own dialects and words that only spanish people use uh i don't think that they should do that i think that they should think about the other countries um too because there are many countries in which you can speak spanish and when where you can um uh, sell your translations right your books and things your your translated books or your own books right so i think that's not a a very generous um thing from them but anyways um today i wanted to finish with this topic uh so maybe this um episode will be a bit shorter than the other ones uh because i want to to just um close this maybe in a future i will talk about translation of poetry maybe or translation in the in the theater and maybe things like that maybe different genres and and things like that but today i'm just going to finish with this topic and then maybe in another occasion i'm going to explain more in deep 
what is all about because this is more oriented to translators and I know that not all of you want to hear um, a lot of things about translating so I understand that so I'm going to just finish this uh, thing today now today I want to talk about um, reading um, reading is very very important when you translate if you translate something you have to read it's compulsory for you to read everything not only the book that you have to translate but also all all um the the books that you can um in order to let's say nurture yourself um and yes reading is a, the most important thing about translating um in fact, there are three steps for translating literature and the first one is reading. The second one is translating, of course, and the, the third one is revising. When uh, reading, uh, the context has a crucial role for the translator. But um, it is not enough to translate only with the help of the context of some sentences, right? Some ten sentences that surround... The thing you want to translate, the sentence you want to translate. For example, teacher would be most likely to be translated as maestra, which is feminine in Spanish, whereas the teacher in the United States is more likely to be a man, right? It's all about the culture and the context. There are more teachers that are men in the United States and there are more teachers here that are women in Argentina. So maybe you unconsciously as a translator uh, translate teacher as a, as a woman uh, when you actually don't know if it's a woman or if it's a man, right? So um, reading the whole text, not only some sentences surrounding the sentence you want to translate, um, will clarify every doubt and the translation will be efficient. So you have to read the whole text, right? Because in some part of the text, we'll have the name of the teacher. And this will, of course, clarify the doubt if it's a man or a woman. But what happens if we don't have the name of the teacher and we don't know the gender? Well, in that case, when we translate, we shouldn't reveal the gender either, which is difficult. It is a difficult task to do, since most words in Spanish are specified by gender, whereas in, in English um, that is not very common, right? But in Spanish it is very common that words have a gender, masculine or feminine, even, even, even stuff like even things, uh, things that don't have actually a gender, a real sex. Um, has gender right have gender sorry so it is a very difficult task to to not reveal the gender of a person or of a um, of a thing or something like that so most of the mistakes that are found in a translation are because we haven't read well but we have seen two contexts right we have seen the context of um reading the um, two or three sentences in the text we have seen the second context which is reading the whole text and we have the third context too which is 
the culture. We have to understand the culture of both texts to make the correct decisions and to correct everything we've done previously, right? So we have three contexts which are very, very crucial when you read the text that you are going to translate. And this thing of the this theory or this thing about the, the, the three contexts is a characteristic that helps to explain literary translation because in scientific or in technical texts this previous reading is rarely necessary since those texts are full of terms of an already known field. You actually have to do a reading, a previous reading, if you if you translate a scientific or a technical text. But this previous reading um, is about other texts, rather documents or articles and things like that, to be more familiarized with the terms of the of the of the area or of the specific field and things like that. So if you know the field, if you already know the field, if you're a specialized translator translator of for example um biology, well then you have to of course you know you know all the terms or the 90% of the terms in biology so you don't have to do this this research and this previous reading an exhaustive reading not at all right you only have to know the field and that's it and you you start you start um finding the equivalent of the text and you start um disentangling the text and that's it but as you know already well in literary translation this becomes a bit more complicated with or a bit more complex. Maybe it takes more steps to carry out the the translation of a book, for example. Now, reading in these cases offer, I think that uh, reading offers three or four things that are very important for, for a translation. Um, first of all, reading offer the goals that we have to achieve through the translation. And why do we need to know the goals? Because the achievement of goals helps to reach a good level of invisibility. Uh, invisibility is basically what the translator expects uh, for himself to be invisible, right? Because if the translation is visible, then it means it's wrong in many cases. I'm not going to talk about every case, but in many cases when you see that there's a translation, then the translation is not very efficient, right? So what do we have to achieve in the in the translation? To be invisible, basically, right? So um, achieving an invisibility of the translator uh, and of the translation that is uh, their work is a goal, right? Um, now, reading also offers a ranking of the goals, right? If we are to choose to keep one or three aspects in the translation, if we have to choose, um, if we have to keep just one of three aspects that are important in the translation, let's say goals, for example, and we have to choose one. So reading offers you the possibility to choose the correct um, option, right? Now, 
It also offers the basis to understand how many language levels the text has and how to transmit them without distorting them. Um, and again, we can bring back the book of the Huckleberry Finn from Mark Twain, which um, was um, not very well translated because the language levels were not respected, right? So the translation was a bit distorted and it was not the same and it lost the essence and the value of the book. Now, something else and the last thing that um, reading offers to a translator is that uh, it's, it, it offers the, pace, the basis to decide some conflicts like when to use usted instead of Tú, or vos, which means you, because in English, uh, sorry, English does not have those distinctions among formal and informal register, whereas Spanish does. For example, tú uh, and vos, it's you in an informal way, in a colloquial way, in a in a face-to-face -face conversation, whereas usted is in a formal register. So you have to know the context and you have to read to know uh, to decide whether to use usted or you oh, sorry or tú or vos right it's a bit hard to to mix both languages i that was not my my intention but i have to uh, when i when i talk about this now this reading is called instrumental reading Let's go back to Huckleberry Finn. Um, it seems like this author uh, loves the book of Huckleberry Finn. Now, um, the, the translator of Huckleberry Finn centers or focuses too much on the register. That is the story, the story of the trip. Um, and he or she uh, only centered and focused on that, on the register. Uh, so the value of the novel, as I said before, is a bit lost, right? Because we have much more to transmit, um, like the language level or some things that we that are considered mistakes, which are not. And the translation will end up not being invisible, right? If we don't have these things or these mistakes between an inverted commas, um then the the translation will be very very visible and that is not a good sign right and mistakes in most cases like this um are 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 a good part and an important part of the novel right so you have to you have to be very careful with the mistakes that you that that you um, omit or that you decide to write Okay, so remember that the texture, the quality, and the person who narrates has to be kept as in the original, right? Always. And now, to finish, there are um, concrete examples in the text where the reading defines the translation. So we have uh, three examples in, uh, you, in, that you can find in the text where the reading defines the translation. The first one is the spatial or temporary setting. 
For example, if we have the word corner um, without too much context and without too much thinking, is the 90 degrees angle that two objects make, like the walls. So you have corner, you, you know that it's a corner of, of walls. But so it is normally translated as esquina, right, in Spanish. However, if the text talks about a corner in the middle of the desert, that translation would be completely incorrect and has to be replaced by a word that matches with the second context, that is, ideas from other sentences and paragraphs. So, if we find the word sweater, for example, that is another example, if we find the word sweater in a text from the time of Jesus Christ, then the appropriate translation would definitely not be hoodie in Spanish, that is buzo, right? So, um, this is a clear example of how context defines a good translation. Now, other example uh, where the reading defines the translation, it's the tone and the atmosphere. If we have the word bright in a decimal place, it is incorrect to put much emphasis or in that word or to translate that word with one that has a positive connotation like radiant or flaring. Instead, we'd rather opt for a more neutral word like shining, for example, because the 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 the, uh, the context gives you this um dismal place in which everything is dark and something terrible is about to happen. So you cannot um translate the word bright for uh, a word with a very positive connotation like radium or flaring. No, we have to opt for a more neutral word, right? Because of the context. And third, last but not least, is a semantic field. Sometimes texts have a semantic field that maintains throughout the whole text or rather as a part of it. So the translator should be able to identify that information. So basically reading is crucial to translate a book. And that's all for today. I think we're very good with the time. I thought it was going to be sh way shorter but it wasn't so it is a good uh, episode. I hope you guys liked it and see you in my next episode. See you guys!